0: I on Okay. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hebrews eleven four. Are you able? By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared. Excuse me, drop them down to verse 4. It's going to read context. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is truth, it is power, it is light, it is life. And Father, one verse from your word can transform our lives. We thank you for this word written down centuries ago that speaks to us today. We pray that your Holy Spirit would be here, that you would apply the truth and that you would minister to us. We pray in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. I want to um, begin by turning back to Genesis chapter 4 and reading the context of the writer of Hebrews' comment in Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. And it's a familiar passage of Scripture, and... um, the relationship between Cain and Abel. Now, the man had relations with his wife, Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain, and she said, I have gotten a man-child with the help of the Lord. And again, she gave birth to his brother, Abel, and Abel was a keeper of flocks, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. And Abel, on his part, also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering, but for Cain and for his offering he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted? And if you do well, and if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you. But you must master it. And Cain told Abel his brother, and it came about when they were in the field that Cain rose up in the field. Excuse me, that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. And studying this passage of scripture, I discovered some things that were hidden in plain sight. And it became evident to me that the entire human race has its roots in the Swedes. Because you can trace all mankind back to Adam's (laughs) sons. It's contagious. (laughs) And so that explains a lot of the problems we have in this world. I can say that because I'm Swedish, okay. And so anyway, (laughs) now I'm bragging. No, I was complaining. Okay. I want to look at this, verse 4, in three parts. First of all, Abel's better sacrifice. And then secondly, looking at the testimony that he obtained, that he was righteous, along with God's testimony about his gifts. In other words, it's not only... Abel's testimony but God's testimony concerning Abel. And then thirdly, how through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. So those three parts and I hope I can make it. So here we go. The better sacrifice. We're told in Genesis chapter four, verse four, that Abel brought an offering of the firstlings of his flock. If we turn back probably just one page in your Bible, to Hebrews nine twenty two, <clears throat> we read that, and according to the law, one may almost say, all things that are cleansed with uh, all things are cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Abel brought a blood sacrifice. Now I understand there is debate over this, and some contend that it was Abel's attitude, as opposed to Cain's attitude. I believe that that's a factor. It is the thing that is unmistakable is that Abel's sacrifice was acceptable to God, and that he was viewed as righteous. And so it's interesting in Scripture, and I read through, I just looked at grain offering, and a grain offering is never an offering that brings atonement in no situation. And so it is the blood sacrifice. Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. And it's interesting, the word sacrifice is the Greek word thusia, which means nothing to you except it, it refers to the act or the victim, the sacrifice. And the one Abel, who offered the first acceptable sacrifice, became the first martyr or sacrifice. Should I read that again? The one, Abel, who offered the first acceptable sacrifice, recorded in Scripture, became the first martyr or sacrifice. It's interesting, when we get into the Greek and the word that is translated witness, is the Greek word martyrios or "martus," from which we get the word martyr. And so the idea of a witness is inseparable from being a martyr. Does that make sense? And so those concepts are welded together in Scripture, and so Abel offered the first acceptable sacrifice, and he became a sacrifice. He offered a blood sacrifice, and soon his blood was crying from the ground as a witness. The word sacrifice, thusia, comes from a word which means to rush, to breathe hard, or pursue, or aspire. And here's what I see in this, that Abel offered to God a sacrifice from his aspiration, from the desire of his life, from that which drove him. And he brought a sacrifice to God desiring to please God to bless God, to honor God. That was a desire of his entire life that was reflected in his sacrifice. While at the same time, Cain wanted to conveniently get it over with more a matter of accommodation. Let's just throw something at God and see if it works. And Abel is today still speaking. I just want to ask you a very simple question today. Which would you rather be? Abel or Cain? We would like to be able to have the witness, but we would like not to be able to have to be the sacrifice ourselves in some ways. And so Cain was given a choice and the choice is articulated very clearly by God. And Cain needs to make a decision. It's expressed in Genesis 4, 6 through 7. He said, you know, Cain, if you wish you can, you know, offer an appropriate sacrifice and your countenance doesn't have to be fallen and you don't have to be all discouraged and down on yourself, you can do well. But at the same time, if you don't, if you make the other choice, sin is crouching at the door to overcome you. And so we recognize that he was faced with a decision. He could enter into sin, practice unrighteousness, a wrong sacrifice. And what's interesting, he made the wrong decision, but ultimately he made a blood sacrifice. He sacrificed his brother. Now, is that a good choice? (laughs) And, and, um, or he could have chosen righteousness. Here's kind of how I see it. I have an older brother so I can identify with Abel, okay? And um, my older brother is in no way like Cain. Let me say that right now. But in order for Cain to have made an appropriate sacrifice, it may have required him to go to his younger brother, acquire a lamb, a spotless lamb, a firstling, and offer an appropriate sacrifice. Now that would be humiliating, but let me just point out that none of us can honor God without humbling ourselves, amen? And so one way or another, the the first step of becoming a Christian is that we have to confess our sins to humble ourselves and acknowledge That we're flawed vessels and that we need an appropriate sacrifice to enter into the presence of God. And we need to defer to our brother Jesus Christ and receive his blood, his sacrifice on our behalf to atone for us. And so humbling is going to be necessary if we're going to make an appropriate sacrifice to God. But instead of humbling himself, he sought to destroy, he destroyed his brother. It's... um, in Matthew 7:21 to 23, and I'll just read it, Jesus said, if I don't drop it, Jesus said, not everyone, there it went, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And what's interesting is this individual who came before Jesus on that day had the right words. He called Jesus Lord, but the problem was that Jesus wasn't his Lord. And instead of, pointing to the relationship that they had with the Lord Jesus Christ, they point to what they did. Oh, we prophesied in your names. I preached the most wonderful sermons. We had a crowd of people. Oh, it was just marvelous. And we cast out demons in your name, and we showed mighty works and everything and impressed people. And Jesus said, I never knew you. Never knew you. Who are you? completely passed up the most important thing. Pointing to works, never realizing a relationship with Jesus Christ, the blood sacrifice, never coming under that blood, an appropriate relationship with God. I just thought, jotted down three things in application of this first portion of Hebrews 11:4. The first thing is that Christians are vulnerable. As Christians, we're vulnerable people. We're easily taken advantage of by others. And we many times suffer loss and abuse. And if you cannot handle uh, sometimes being abused or taken advantage of or, or having people respond to you inappropriately, you're going to have a big problem as a Christian pressing on to maturity. If you'll turn back with me to Psalms um, 35, a Psalm of David. And David speaks of this experience in his own life, and no one says that it is easy to experience this, but this is just a fact of being a person who has faith in Jesus Christ. And hence the title here, Are You Able? In other words, are you willing to put yourself in the position that Abel did as he responded to God appropriately. And David here in Psalm 35, picking up in verse 12, David is saying, they repay me evil for good to the bereavement of my soul. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting My prayer kept returning to my bosom, and I went about as though it were my friend or brother. I bowed down, mourning as one who sorrows for a mother. But at my stumbling, they rejoiced and gathered themselves together. The smiters, whom I did not know, gathered together against me. They slandered me without ceasing. One of the most difficult things that I have experienced in my life, and I have experienced it as a pastor, as a parent, and and in many situations in my life, is sincerely caring for people and pouring myself into people sacrificially and having them deal me dirt. And... I have been in situations and I'm sure that Pastor Kevin can identify with this that you pour yourself into lives of people and it comes a time when if they could push a button or speak a word they would destroy you. And it hurts. And such is the experience of being a witness for Jesus Christ. And that is just the reality of this thing that we're involved in. If you haven't been taken advantage of, you will be. And we need to deal with that and we need to press on. The second thing is that a godly rebuke is an honor. Cain received a godly rebuke and God was dealing with him very kindly and reasoned with him. And he didn't slam Cain into his place and say, you stupid idiot, how could you offer a sacrifice like that to me? But he pointed to the right sacrifice and said, you know, you can do that too. And you can make the right choice. The godly rebuke. Pastor Kevin, I don't know if you remember the pastor's conference here a few years ago that um, Brent... Williams was selling the t-shirts I was rebuked by Wayne yeah. you remember that and Wayne Taylor the pastor up at Calvary Fellowship is a person he's a great guy but he will also confront you and rebuke you and everybody who had received that really counted it a, uh, a privilege of a fellowship kind of like I've been rebuked by Wayne yeah <laughs> And, and so many of us, you know, if somebody tells us something that we don't want to hear, we don't like it, and we get our feelings hurt, and we form bitter attitudes toward people and everything, and we need to soften up a little bit and receive the correction of the Lord and to correct direction and wind up in the right place. The third thing here is that, like Abel, no one can take your blessing no matter what they do to you. No one can take You're blessed. The only person who can make you a victim is who? You. You're the only person who can make you a victim. One of the highest positions in all of Scripture are the martyrs. And we read in Revelation where they're speaking from under the altar and their word is being heard and the Lord is answering them. And martyrs are not losers. They are conquerors, something that I'll point to here in a few minutes if I have enough time. Now to the second part of Hebrews eleven four. Through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous, God testifying about his gifts. The word testimony is used twice there. Is talking about the sacrifice of Abel. And through that sacrifice, he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God recognized it, recognizing it. And then God testifying about his gifts. God testifying about him. So he had a testimony and God had a testimony concerning Abel. Pastor Kevin's been teaching on testimony and what a marvelous marvelous thing it is to recognize the importance of having a testimony that god is working in our lives and that we're responding to him appropriately so he obtained a testimony our service speaks for itself years ago i was pastoring a ministry in corvallis oregon one of the couples in the church and our worship services involved a like a devotional at the offering time. And this one gentleman, I'm going to share his name because I'm highly recognizing him and esteeming him. His name is Doyle Hughes, his wife Harriet. Doyle got up before the congregation. He owned a heavy equipment construction company. Um, Even in church, he was, you know, not always the cleanest. He worked hard with his hands and and he got up and announced to the congregation that he was writing a book. He said, I am writing a book. And he says, and this book is a testimony of everything that is important about me. It tells of where my values are, where my priorities are, where my sense of worth is, and everyone is sitting and looking at him like, you're writing a book? And he reaches in his hip pocket and he pulls out his checkbook. He said, here it is. You can read this book, and you can find everything that is important to me. And you can find where my values are and where my worth is. And his wife, they raised a wonderful family. His wife took in, he and his wife took in foster children and cared for them. She was very active in the children's ministry. And I found out years later that when Doyle um, became too old to keep up with a construction company. He sold it, and he bought a brand-new drilling rig, water well drilling rig, paid for it to be shipped to Africa, and he would go to Africa a month at a time and drill wells for the villages. He wrote a book, a testimony. He didn't have to tell people that he was spiritual. He didn't have to tell anyone that he was a Christian. His life was a testimony itself. God bore witness of him. Speak. Are you able? What is the testimony that is being brought forth through your life and my life? And then the writer of Hebrews says, Not only did Abel obtain a testimony, but God brought testimony concerning him, God testifying about his gifts. I'm going to include myself in this statement. Too many people worry about what people think of them. Too many people worry about what people think of them. What do you think about my haircut? What do you think about these glasses or these clothes or this car or whatever? It doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is what God testifies concerning us. What does God think of us? What does God testify concerning us? Job was recognized by God and he was pointed out to Satan as being a righteous one God testifying concerning him one time as Jesus went over to Tyre and Sidon there was a Syrophoenician woman who came crying after him asking that he would heal her daughter who was demon possessed and Jesus said to her it's not right to give the children's bread to the dogs and she says yes but even the dogs eat from the crumbs under the master's table and Jesus said of her Such faith I have not seen, even in Israel. Jesus testifying of her faith. A centurion had a servant, and he came, uh, sent messengers appealing to Jesus to come and heal his servant. And he sent word and said, Don't come to my home, for I'm not worthy. He was a Gentile. I'm not worthy to have you in my home. Just say the word. Because I too am a man under authority and if I say to this one go, he goes and this one come, he comes. If you just say the word, my servant will be healed and Jesus healed the servant and he said, such faith I have not seen. Jesus testifying of a centurion's faith. What a marvelous thing to be recognized by Jesus and you know the woman with the issue of blood who reached and touched the hem of his garment. A testimony from Christ, or is God saying of me, all he thinks of is, is himself. All he does is try to work things toward his own ends and his own gain, using people however he can to get advantage of them. Oh Lord, that that not be the case. God testifying about Abel's gifts. Finally. And the third thing here in verse four, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. His brother thought he could destroy him and to to remove him and overcome him, but Abel is still speaking. And he is still bearing testimony and he is still teaching and giving an example to us here this evening and and in this world today, still speaking. Our faith is founded upon the sacrifices of the martyrs. 400 years of Christendom, martyrdom, built the foundation of the church of Jesus Christ. unknown number who lost their lives. The church was born in self-sacrifice. Faithful witnesses bearing testimony to Jesus Christ, even to their own demise. They not only chose the acceptable sacrifice, the blood of Jesus Christ, but they became effective, acceptable sacrifices to God. the church here that the book of Hebrews is addressed to has a choice like Cain did. Am I going to become a martyr and follow after Jesus Christ and be faithful to him and be pleasing to him and be a testimony to this world, God testifying to my faith, or am I going back to an ineffective religious system and go through the motion where there's no sacrifice? That's the choice. That's our choice. That's our choice. Are you able? I certainly pray that Cain is not here. The early church denoted by 400 years of martyrdom, I just want to read a little bit out of D. James Kennedy. This goes clear back to the 1970s. D. James Kennedy was a historian, pastor. He had so many titles after his name, his PhDs and everything. It's unbelievable. But he wrote this very simple thing concerning the early church and its sacrifice for Jesus Christ. He says, this is how the church of Jesus Christ In 300 years, accomplished the most amazing results. The whole pagan Roman Empire was undercut and overthrown by the power of the gospel of Christ, which on the lips of of Christ's conquered disciples crossed seas and deserts, pierced darkest jungles, seeped into every city and town, and finally into the Senate and the very palace of Rome itself until a Christian Caesar was placed upon the throne. How? Because everyone was preaching the word. The Christian church was burgeoning with such rapidity that by the middle of the second century, one of the great apologists could say, we are everywhere. We are in your towns and in your cities. We are in your country. We are in your army and navy. We are in your palaces. We are in your senate." We are more numerous than anyone. Constantine knew very well whether or not he was truly converted. I will leave hist- that to the historians. But he testified that he had no chance of unifying the Roman Empire or holding power in that empire without the help of Christians. How did Christians become that effective In a pagan society, it was through self-sacrifice. It was through a full commitment to Jesus Christ, not counting the costs, but considering it a privilege to serve the Lord Jesus Christ and to be a living sacrifice. After Constantine legalized Christianity, the church was flooded. I could have read another paragraph there. The church was flooded with pagans because he declared everybody Christian. What happened was that church members replaced Christian witnesses and Christian martyrs. And the whole movement stopped and became an institution. They were not able and the church stopped in its tracks. I jotted down a Christianity of what's in it for me will fade and perish with no impact and no testimony from Christ, no recognition from Christ. If we are looking at Calvary Chapel South, if we are looking at Christian faith, if we are looking at the Lord Jesus Christ through the spectrum of what's in it for me, Nothing good is going to come. But if we look at this relationship with Christ as the greatest privilege and we have that aspiration to live for Christ and whatever it costs, Lord, make me able. Give me the grace to stand. I want to leave you with just three scripture passages and you may turn to them with me. First, Romans 12, 1 to 2. Many of you have these verses memorized. And I point to them because they so well illustrate what we are seeing here this evening. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Paul says, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed by this world, to this world. Don't worry about what people think of you. Don't be caught up in your image. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Another passage, Matthew chapter 5, and Forgive me for jumping around, but these verses speak so clearly to these things. Matthew 5, verse 10, Jesus speaking in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew five, ten. Jesus said, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men cast insults at you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely on account of me. Here's the response. Oh, poor me, I'm a victim. No. He says, rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. And for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. What an honor to be vulnerable for Jesus Christ and to be a witness. Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. And uh, I envy the person who gets to teach this passage. Wish it was me. <laughs> Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. <clears throat> I find that so much of life is Perspective. We can be going through things that are very difficult, but if God gives us the right perspective, there's great joy. He says, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, just want to ask, who is that cloud of witnesses? It's the martyrs who have gone before us. It's the faithful witnesses who in their generation and their time stood true to Jesus Christ. Now guess who is on the playing field? It's not Denver and the Seahawks. It's you and me. And we're on the field, and they are in the stands applauding us and cheering us on, and they've been faithful in their time, and now it's our turn. And this cloud of witnesses surrounding us, he says, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on whom? Jesus, the author and the perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. Are you able? Are you able to stand for Jesus Christ in this wicked generation? and to be a faithful witness to the one who has been true to us. And what is his testimony concerning us in this day? I want to pray with you. Father God, we thank you for the privilege of being alive in a time such as this. Lord Jesus, give us the grace to stand true to you, to testify to your faithfulness, to the truth of your word, to, at whatever cost, lay down our lives in service of you. I pray for these dear people here, Lord, and I think of when I was teaching at the Bible College in Seattle, I would say to every class of students, it may be that you will be a martyr for Jesus Christ, that you on some mission field far away will lose your life. And Father, perhaps there are those here this evening Lord, give us the grace to stand true to you, to be able by your grace. We pray in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Lowell. Yes. So any dialogue going on there in your minds? <laughs> I had a request for us to repeat the questions.
1: Yes. When so, people. So-